Welcome to the Gutsy Ladies podcast. I'm your host, Bella Reynolds, and I'm a life coach on a mission to support midlife women to live their next chapters with ease, with clarity, and with confidence, to become a gutsy lady. A gutsy lady doesn't fade or shy away, and she doesn't use midlife as an excuse to live a life less fulfilled. She thinks, if not now, when? Until now, the story of midlife hasn't supported this vision for our lives, and it's time to talk about it. In this podcast, I share insights from my personal experience, as well as thoughts and lessons from thousands of hours of coaching. If you want to live your best life and are ready to do the work, then you are in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hi again, and thanks for joining me. Um, the topic today that I'm talking about is is so fundamental to how we um, go in life, let alone whether it's successful or not or happy or not or healthy or not, that I really am so excited you've joined to listen. And I'm also going to be keen to get any insights that you have and share any ahas from it. And as you've heard from the headline, that this, this episode is about this one relationship that will change everything. And I'm, I'm really talking to my beautiful gutsy ladies out there who right now are looking for love. And it may be that at this stage in their life, they've found themselves um, living alone for whatever reason. And um, they really believe that once they find love, then so many things will, you know, just happen for them. And it's also for those beautiful gutsy ladies who I know are out there that are in relationships and would love it to be more loving. And so what I'm going to share about is a relationship that is so fundamental for you to get the success in that. And it's not about looking outside. It's not about looking for someone else to bring that love to the table for you to feel whole. It is the relationship that you have with yourself. And even better than that, I'm going to the next notch. It's one thing to have a loving relationship with yourself. It's actually treating yourself as your own best friend. And the reason this is so important is because one of the one of the basic realities of life, or one of the truths that we don't really talk about, is that we come into this world alone. And even though we may be surrounded by beautiful humans as we exit the planet, and I know this could sound a little bit morbid, but this is a reality of life. We do leave the planet alone. And so many of us spend so much of our time on the planet seeking other people's um, love and support and um, um, approval beyond your own love and support and approval. And it's futile compared to having a beautiful, loving relationship for yourself and all the wonderful things that come from that relationship. And I'll share more about that in a minute. So a quote that I want to share that I remember when I first heard this was like, oh, this is so true. This quote is attributed to Blaise Pascal. And the quote goes like this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's or women's <laughs> or um, anyway, not even going down there, um, stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room 
alone. And I know that this was very much demonstrated in um, COVID times. When I heard that quote, the first thing that stemmed to mind for me was the fact that it's because you see a picture of a human on their own in um, isolation in a prison and you see the um, absolute terror that you can see on their face. And I'm pretty sure you know what that terror is about. And it's actually, for me, it's the thought of being in a room on your own and there is no one else there. But worse than that is the thoughts that this mind that you have, and if particularly if you haven't befriended your mind, the thoughts that can come when you're spending this time alone. And the reason it can be so scary is if you have um, really strong inner critic thoughts, self-loathing thoughts, very discompassionate thoughts about yourself versus what I call an inner coach or an inner best friend where you've got really loving and kind and self-love thoughts, then you've got the inner critic screaming at you in that room on your own. And unless you've got tools to deal with that, it can send you mad. And and so I, I just want to open up really with what, what I see as the three main reasons to become your own best friend, to befriend yourself and have this beautiful relationship with yourself first and foremost. And once you clean this stuff up, then go and seek it outside. That's fine. You will find you clean this up. You will be attracting other humans to you that will surprise you. Um, but there's three main reasons that I feel that this is so important for any human. The first one is why on earth, <laughs> if you do not have a loving relationship with yourself, why on earth do you think any other human would want to love you? That could sound really harsh, I suppose, as I say it out loud. <laughs> My kids know I can be a little bit harsh or blunt. But it's 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 really interesting if you really consider that. If you can't love yourself on a level that is consistent and real, why do you think anyone else is going to see that within you and plug that gap? It just doesn't work like that because at the end of the day, when we do have high levels of self-love and um, that means that we are really comfortable with who we are, all our traits, good, bad and ugly, whatever we want to see them as, we have this underlying unconditional love for ourselves, then that is an energy that is so appealing. And you you know what I'm talking about because you will know of people that you spend time with and they're so good to be around because they are light, as in what I mean by that. There's not a heavy negative energy around them. They're just, you know, they, they're quite happy to, you know, take the piss out of themselves a little bit and, and laugh at themselves and they roll with the punches and there's just a lightness to their being and it is incredibly attractive. And that comes from a self-love, a self-acceptance, someone who actually treats themselves just as a best friend, someone who is not spending time loathing themselves and um, being quite critical of themselves and always finding fault. So that's the first reason is that 
if you can bring this into your life, you will literally be more attractive. And the irony is you won't actually be looking for attraction from other people because you'll be comfortable with where you're at and who you are. The flow-on effect is the second one, is that when you are at that higher level of feeling comfortable with yourself, um, treating yourself as a best friend, treating yourself with kindness and respect and, and and loving kindness rather than a loathing and a criticism, it actually brings with it naturally new standards. And so you literally will hold yourself accountable kindly for standards. And the interesting thing I find with that is that if you are someone that has got a high inner critic, someone who does not treat yourself as your own best friend, not someone who spent any time even getting to know who the hell you are, if you're someone like that, then because of that self-loathe that you've got going on, it could be really interesting for the sort of people you will attract. You could attract people to you who want to continue to help you with that self-loathe and inner critic. So that is, you can imagine, a very detrimental relationship to be in. Or you could constantly be um, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yep, that was the song. (laughs) Whereas when you've got this, when you can fully feel comfortable and um, feel that inner coach and self-love going on within yourself, you treat yourself with a level of respect that you can't even think about when you're loathing yourself. You you literally raise your standards. You will raise your own standards for yourself and naturally you'll raise the standards for the people that you will allow into your life and who they are and how they treat you. So it's got such a powerful effect roll-on effect for your life when you start to treat yourself with love and compassion and with kindness just as a best friend. When you start to do that, you will start to notice when people don't treat you that way. And you will start, the more and more you practice this and become this person, the less time you will spend with people that don't treat you at the same level. Now, the third reason is, as you know, I love the biology piece and there is a biomechanical, a a biochemical cocktail that comes with self-compassion and self-love, just as there is a biochemical cocktail that comes with self-loathe. But I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about this cocktail that comes with self-compassion and treating yourself with respect and and really bringing your inner coach to the table and treating yourself as your own best friend. And this, there's a, a, a very famous woman, um, Dr. Kristen Neff, who has written um, numerous books, but one particular book about self-compassion um, and the power it brings to the table. And she talks about self-compassion and the impact it has in increasing motivation. It increases your optimism and it increases your positivity. So she has done a lot of research in this area and she talks about this cocktail that being more compassionate to yourself and and having less of the inner critic. And and the reason this has such an impact on our life, it's 
it's one thing to bring in that optimism and positivity, but what it's also doing is it raises that because we're not spending time being so harsh on ourselves, we are doing more. Because what she's found is if you have high levels of inner critic, you will actually find doing tasks and particularly tasks associated to any change you want to bring in your life, you find those tasks harder to achieve because literally you get in your own way. You are, you know, you are listening to those inner critics, um, sorry, inner critic comments. And so you get in negative emotional habit loops in my language, but invariably it'll be a change U-turn and procrastination. You will find yourself looping back on yourself with such negativity that you are not moving forward. And because you are not achieving or even actioning those tasks, the cocktail, the biochemical cocktail related to dopamine just is not going to be at the level if you are using self-compassion. And I'm going to share a story at the end of this episode, which is exactly an example of this. So by having higher levels of inner coach, higher levels of treating yourself as your own best friend, being self-compassionate and having high levels of self-love, you simply get more out of life. You simply find ways to move forward easier. And you're also using your biology with dopamine to actually, as you tick that off and tick that off as you keep the momentum, it fuels itself even more beautifully. So I hope with those three main reasons, you you can see that this is something, this relationship with yourself and particularly fueling a much more positive and best friend relationship with yourself really can bring in some incredible rewards into your life. Where does it come from? (laughs) Do If you have a high inner critic, uh, a high level of self-loathe, a high level of conditional love for yourself, then my, you know, my experience with clients, let alone my own experience, is it comes as usual from our conditioning. It will be related to um, the parenting that you grew up with, as well as other environments where you got your needs met. Is um, you know it could be your first um, formal school environment, it can be your first workplace, all of those environments. So, if it was, you know, if if through that conditioning, you felt that the only way that you could propel yourself forward was by loathing and um, berating yourself, then it will have met your needs to a certain point. But so many of my gutsy ladies come to me because they've come to that point in their life you know they've come to this midlife this beautiful opportunity in midlife but they are in such turmoil because so much of the conditioning that they have um, had in their life and fueled them to a point when they realize they want different they want to be different have different or do different in these next chapters moving forward they've got to spend a bit of time analyzing this They've got to really awaken what the hell is going on and be aware of it and change it. So it comes from conditioning. It doesn't mean we go back there and berate those who were part of that conditioning. It's just giving you some insights how this happens. Because again, I'm going to share this story about two women well into the latter years 
who had two different conditionings and I'll share the impact that it had. So if I was you and you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my inner critic is a little bit harsh. Um, I don't know that I could describe myself as my own best friend. Some of the things I would say to myself, I would never say to my best friend, you know, you're stupid, you're dumb, don't be an idiot, why on earth would you think that? Then I want to give you just three really, really, really simple baby steps that you can start with to start bringing in a more positive, beautiful, best friend, loving, inner coach relationship with yourself. And I am not kidding when I say they are baby steps because this um, self-love versus self-loathe has got such strong links to your identity and your self-identity. And those who've been listening or listening to other um, episodes and all my other stuff, fundamental to the change process for us, particularly as gutsy ladies, is coming to terms with the new identity we want and embodying that new identity and letting the old identity go. So some of these identity pieces related to self-love versus self-love are huge and they are deeply, deeply grooved and rooted. So do not think you can turn this over in a night. You can't, and I won't ever kid you that you can't. But the smallest, most micro babyest steps that we can take that allows our mind to start to soften and yield to this new way of being is just the most powerful way I know to move forward. So three baby steps. Number one, I would love you to schedule in your day, put it in your phone or on your written calendar, however it is, just allocate from now moving forward five minutes that is 100% you time. Now, the spectrum of activities on you time is to literally do nothing, sit in a room, phone off, phone on, don't care, just knowing that the five minutes you've allocated is only around what you feel, you feel that you want to do today for you, about you, and only for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what, what, what you mean I get five minutes just 100% for myself? Yes. <laughs> and for those gutsy ladies out there that are listening that have spent decades looking other, after other people's needs in a, in a family environment or even a workplace environment, this is novel. And this is fundamental to starting the self-love versus self-loathe and the self-compassion. Giving yourself permission to have just five minutes a day that the only filter that you put into that five minutes, it's exactly what I want to do for myself in that five minutes. A number of my clients, it has literally been giving myself that permission to lie on my bed and read a book for five minutes. And, and the thing is, when you do this first five minutes, you are going to have so many little niggles in your mind. You can't do that. 
there is so much work to be done here. No, you can't spend that time now. What about not getting this done? You know, like all of the, the reason I get it to be five minutes to start with is that it's like these little boils um, of negativity will start to boil up, go, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You know, all those negative comments that have got nothing to do with what you honestly, honestly want. So that is step one or the first of the three steps I give you. Well, they're not even steps. Um, this is like a simple way. That is the first way that you can start to bring in an act of self-love for yourself. Now, five minutes might feel so small and that is the intent. I want you to know that you could do five minutes day in, day out for seven days and then the next seven days. And I can guarantee you, and I'm dead set when I say this, is how good you will feel giving yourself that time despite the self-loathe that comes up in the inner critic. They will quieten because the power of spending this time for yourself only on you for that five minutes has got such a beautiful force and such a positive energetic, attractive force to it that you will want to do more and more and more and more over time. So do not, the overachievers there, do not go straight into the 30 minutes because that's where you'll ultimately end up. But you will get there being fueled with the right rocket fuel. So just five minutes, that's the first way. And I've tried it on myself. I've tried it on my clients and it absolutely works five minutes. Now book it in. You've got to book it into your calendar. And then the only commitment you've got is to do it. Set an alarm. Because that's the thing. You will feel so good having that five minutes. You honestly will want more and more and more. Second one. Now this one, (laughs) and I've not just done this with gutsy ladies, I've done this with gutsy men. It's the mirror exercise. Now, this is this is an interesting exercise. You could do this as your five minutes. But I'm going to get you, when I've done this in workplaces, and yep, I've done it with workplaces, I've done it with groups of 30 men, 6 a.m. in the morning, giving them all a little hand mirror. And what I'm going to get you to do is either with a hand mirror or go into your bathroom, I am going to get you to stand in front of the mirror and I'm going to get you to say these words. Write them down. I am enough exactly as I am. I love myself unconditionally. Now, you are going to say those words. You're going to look at yourself in the mirror, and you are going to say those words to yourself. And then you're going to take a deep breath, and you're going to repeat it again and again for 10 times. Now, the first time you do this, well, the first time you do this, you're going to be uncomfortable even looking in the mirror. I know you will be because that was my experience. That was the experience of men and women I've used this with. The second thing that's going to come up is the inner critic is going to start to rear its little head around you and go, oh, this is ridiculous. I cannot believe that you are doing something like this. I can't believe that you think that you there is no fault and you could be unconditionally loving yourself I can't believe that you think you're enough and seriously I know this is going to happen but what this exercise is about is about 
owning for yourself the level of inner critic that is there and getting in the habit of using language that is about best friend, inner coach, and self-compassion and loving self. Because how else do you start? Particularly if you have high levels of inner critic, it is so difficult to get started. I find this is an incredibly powerful process to do, and I would encourage you to do it for a minimum every day for seven days and stand there for five minutes and do it. And notice day in, day out, what changes occur. Because I'm, I, I have so many examples of people where just doing this process shattered the mask that they had with themselves, let alone the outside world. So we don't worry about the outside world right now. I promise you that will work itself through later. But if you can't start to befriend yourself and literally treat yourself as your own best friend, if you can't privately say those statements, I am enough exactly as I am. I love myself unconditionally. If you can't start to do that with your own self, as I've said, you've got really low chance of healthy relationships outside, beautifully loving, healthy relationships outside. So just that simple way of starting to bring in, calling yourself on this, and it's it's so powerful because you are using all senses. You're using sight, you're using verbal, you're using um I suppose you're using taste and smell. What I'm saying is that our visual sense is actually the most powerful we have when it's on. So I'm going to ask you to call yourself on this and see what comes up. And then repetitively over time, when you do this, you will get less resistance. It will come. And now the third simple way, and it's, it is effectively rolling on with a similar vein and it you can do of the three ways you can do them all separately but you can also um, uh, base them up in building blocks but this third one is about your language and I want you to start really calling yourself out on what comes out of your mouth because whatever comes out of your mouth, how you berate yourself, how you talk about yourself with other people, how how you even berate yourself when you're doing a task and, oh, you idiot, why did you do that? Even something as simple as that can have such a um, negative impact on, as I said, your ability to move forward. It has such a stultifying impact on your movement and momentum. So I want you to notice how you describe yourself to other people. I want you to notice the excuses that come out of your out of your mouth about, oh yeah, look, I'm not smart enough for that. I'm, you know, I'm a bit stupid about that, or I could never learn that. And I'm always being, um, I'm always, you know, messing this up. And when you notice the language, the first and only thing to do up front is to stop, to pause to listen to that language and replay that in your mind. I've just berated myself at a level that I would not do with anyone else. I spend most of my life 
raising other people up and yet I actually think that about myself because what comes out of your mouth is a direct um, reflection of a belief system you have about yourself. So just as the mirror exercise, it's like shining the light on the beliefs you have about yourself. And it's the most perfect way for you to start to befriend yourself because it's only when you start to see the level of um, inner critic or the level of self-loathe that is in your life that you can start to change it. And how can you change it? So what, Bella, I can notice that being so negative and yet that's something I've believed about myself. How do I stop it? First thing is to pause and notice the comment. And if the notice the comment is something like, oh, God, you're such an idiot, you always do that, then you could stop yourself, notice you say it and say, is that true? <laughs> do I always do it or do I only do it when I'm nervous in front of this person? Am I trying my hardest to actually change this? And just soften the language. Start to talk to yourself as if you were talking to someone who meant a hell of a lot to you, someone that you want to keep in your life because you love them dearly. How would you talk to them in a kinder and more compassionate way? Again, over time, with the practice of using this, you will befriend yourself and the biology that comes with it, and you will start to see yourself in a much more loving and compassionate light. And you will get more out of life and do more in life because you will not be in your own way. So why do I know this to be true? I want to share the story of two, it's the tale of two, two women I've coached and both of them are well past their 70s. And I, the reason I want to share this story is it's going to illuminate the impact of conditioning but also the impact and the really beautiful positive impact of high levels of, of you know, self-love, self-compassion and inner coach and treating yourself as your own best friend. So one of these beautiful gutsy ladies who's definitely um, almost out of the 70s era too, she's well advanced and she's an absolute gutsy lady. When I was coaching in the early days, and the topic of inner coach versus inner critic came up. She shared with me that her mother, and this didn't, you know, this came to her as we were discussing the topic. She said to me, you know, my mum always said to me, I would rather tell you your faults than have anyone else tell you. It was such a massive piece of information because what it, helped me to understand was such a high level of conditioning around your deficits and your weaknesses and your faults from someone who is, well, really your mother um, and parent, but particularly your mother has got such an impact as you are coming through life. It made so much sense for me of why this beautiful woman who had aspirations to do so many things in life and particularly around art, every time she would get a canvas out or a sketching pad out, literally the, the um, language from her mother and that high level of inner criticism was just so loud. 
Now, this beautiful woman has spent a number of years now working on it and working on her self-compassion, and it has been a slow, fruitful journey, but a very slow journey. And the baby steps, there's been, you know, three steps forward and 10 steps back. And so dancing through these high levels of inner critic and um, definitely not best friending relationship with self and coming to work on this in her late 70s has meant the progress on this has actually been quite um, slow. And the reason for that is because of these beautiful minds and the engineering we've got, the grooves for this was decades and decades. So I'm not saying there hasn't been progress, there's absolutely been progress, but the impact of that conditioning through those decades has left such a solid scar, I suppose. Now, this other beautiful woman, another gutsy lady that I've been working with, and her name is Elizabeth, and she grew up, same era, she's about five years younger, she's sitting 75 this year. She actually, when we were talking about the topic of inner coach and inner critic, she was quite uh, surprised that this was a topic that needed to be discussed because what she divulged to me is that she had grown up in a um, parenting arrangement or parenting in a family and she was considerably younger than the rest of her siblings and there was absolute and total unconditional love the thought that your mother could say that to you, just she couldn't even imagine that that would be a mother could say that. And and the interesting thing is she shared a cute little tool that she had developed over her years through that self-compassion and the self-love and just the lack of self-loathe. And there's a lightness to Elizabeth that is just so much fun to be around because she is just so comfortable with who she is and there's this beautiful self-love. So what she shared is, um, and the reason this tool came to the fore was she had desires and goals to go on some overseas trips in her early 70s. We still work together now and she is about to at 75 after two years, three years really of COVID jamming us down. She's about to go on another dream trip to Egypt. And the only way that she could actually achieve these goals was to start bringing in a really strong movement and exercise program and health program. And she came up, grew up in an era that that stuff just wasn't formalized. So she's had to really change so many of habits to get herself as healthy and physically strong to do these trips. So what she described in this beautiful self-compassion is that she said, well, really, there's Elizabeth one in my mind and Elizabeth two. And she said, she'll come home, you know, she'll be out and about doing things and she'll come home and she knows that she has to get some walking done or get on the rowing machine. Yep, 75, got a rowing machine now. Um, or go out and do some physical toil to keep herself fit and healthy to go and do these trips. So Elizabeth one will say, oh, Elizabeth you've been quite tired, you know, you've done a lot today. I think you could go and sit down. Let's go and get a little bit um, of cake and we'll sit down and have a cup of tea. And then she said, Elizabeth too will pipe in and go, hey, no, 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 you can do that after, your, <laughs> after you've gone outside and gone and done the gardening or gone and done the rowing machine. Then we will sit down. 
So what she divulges, she's got this beautiful relationship with herself and her mind of two identities. She's got the one that would like to go out there and just do <laughs> what I want to do. And then the other one, which is probably the more responsible one, Elizabeth too, is saying, yeah, you can do that, but only after we've done this other stuff. Because remember, we want to go to Egypt. Now, I don't have to hospitalize this woman. She's not going mad. What it is, is she has this beautiful mechanism in her mind, which is so layered with self-compassion and self-love. That is not an inner critic going, oh, you idiot. You can't even think about having cake. That would be so stupid when you want to go and do this. Because as Elizabeth would explain to me, if she had that high level of negativity fueling her mind day in, day out, she said to me, I don't even know how half the people will get out of the door if they're so wound up in that negativity. So it's, look, it's just a really simple story of some simple practices that this woman has brought up through her life and the conditioning that she grew up with, the level of inner critic is just so low. So if you're one of those women out there who has got a really low inner critic, well, just rejoice. If your inner critic is just so manageable and you've got high levels of self-compassion, I suspect as you listen to this episode, you will start to understand why you've managed to do so much gently and kindly and loving in your life. If you are a gutsy lady listening out here who absolutely knows what I'm talking about, about a screaming inner critic and that this inner critic is literally holding you back from doing what you really want to do because it's such a fuel of negative emotion, then please make sure you start to bring in some of these simple steps that can bring in this self-love, self-compassion and treating yourself, bringing this relationship of looking after yourself as a best friend into your life because it will pay dividends almost instantly. You will feel how beautiful it feels to be, you know, looking after yourself at that level. And just from the stories that I hope you've heard with my clients, particularly Elizabeth's stories, know that it is never, ever too late to start becoming your own best friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gutsy Ladies Podcast. Have you joined my free habit reinvention challenge? If not, why not? Go to bellareynolds.com.au forward slash habits. In seven days, you'll know how to make over your health, wealth and relationships. Sounds good. See you there.